Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. But I was I was a hitter and I wasn't a power hitter. I mean, I could sit there and try to hit you a home run every single time. It just wasn't who I was. That wasn't what I was going to do. And that's what they want now. If you look around the leagues, it's all the guys are trying to do. Welcome into another episode of Baseball America's interview series from Phenom to the Farm, where we are talking to former professional baseball players about their journey through amateur baseball in the minor leagues. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. On today's episode, I am talking to Billy Butler, professional hitter. Doesn't really need much of an introduction. Ten-year veteran who had the classic Phenom resume. Played for the U.S. national team in high school, first-round pick, top prospect, futures game MVP, Big league debut at 21, was an all-star, silver slugger, played in the World Series, got a great free agent contract, but after all that, baseball was done with him at 30. It was a uh, it was a great conversation with Billy, very cool to hear a pure hitter talk about how he went about his business at the plate, how he got better, adjustments he made, and what he thinks about where the game is heading as far as offense goes. Uh, big thanks to Billy for his time, it was a very interesting retrospective, uh, you know, a couple years out from his last game. If you enjoy this episode with Billy, go ahead, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate and leave a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. We've done about 13, 14 of these interviews now. A lot of great players, a lot of great stories. And we're also getting close to triple-digit five-star ratings, which would be great. I think we're sitting on 84 right about now. So uh, again, if you're on Apple Podcasts, those do really help the podcast. Also, make sure you're subscribed to BaseballAmerica.com for all your prospect and amateur baseball coverage, daily MLB prospect reports, and written college baseball coverage starting to get going underway with uh, with fall ball starting to happen. There's also the Baseball America podcast feed that's been putting out a ton of podcasts lately covering everything from the MLB and MILB negotiations to prospect debuts to what this year's postseason is going to look like. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. That's B-A-N-D-U-J-O. And with that, let's talk to former big leaguer Billy Butler. All right, joining in for today's episode from Phenom to the Farm, he was the 14th overall pick in the 2004 draft by the Royals, former AL All-Star Billy Butler. Billy, thanks for thanks for joining from Phenom to the Farm. Hey, no problem. Glad to glad to help out. Glad glad to uh, talk some baseball. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, first and foremost, you know, before we kind of get into it, you know, since you've since you've gotten in retirement, is it fair to say that you've become the most feared softball player in Idaho Falls? <laughs> I, I uh, actually haven't played softball in a while. I mean, uh, this year I didn't play. I haven't played in like a year. I've uh, I've uh, got some other business ventures going on. Got coaching kids teams, my kids teams, and uh, yeah, just didn't play this year. No, 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 no reason not to or anything like that. Just, you know, just didn't. I got to imagine the the local slow pitch guys, the local pitchers were, were pretty happy with that. Your, your opponents, but believe it or not, I had, <laughs> we had a couple guys on our team. Like, you know, like we all went to the same gym and everything like that. We, I got a couple guys on the team. I actually probably could hit the ball further than me. They can't hit not, not as consistently hard as I can do it, but, or like, you know, just hit, I was like, you know, just like in baseball, I could hit the ball line to line and, 
and, and just basically like, you know, you got the guys up there that can just hit homers and can't do anything else, but I could, I could hit you a freaking ball in the, you know, in the three, four hole, five, six hole, whatever you needed. That That's absolutely <laughs> just what control. you're known for. It's, yeah, just, that. it's just bat control or anything. You get the, you get the big bruisers out there that can hit it into the street. Like, but when you ask them to hit a single, they hit, tell them to hit a single, they'll still hit it in the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, <laughs> and you only get five home runs. Um, but I mean, there's some guys that just couldn't do it. I mean, just like, it's just like, it's just like anything else. Some guys can't hit the breaking ball. Some guys can, some guys can't see it. Some guys can hit any fastball that they threw. You know, it's just some, a lot of these things are hard work, but a lot of these things are, you know, there's a lot of God given talent. Well, let's get into what you, what you brought to the table as a hitter in your, in your baseball days. And with you, you started playing high-level baseball even before you graduated high school. What was your the experience like with Team USA and kind of how early on in your baseball career did you realize that you were going to be a, a big-time draft prospect? Uh, you know, I think the, the draft prospect thing kind of goes, you know, you don't really know where you're going to go. You know, you have a shot. I mean, that, that, that all takes place in your senior year with that one. But, like, if you go backtrack with my – with my process or, or, with, or with my, you know, my story, it start. I mean, like I, I, I never played JV. I never played. I went from seventh grade junior high ball straight to varsity the next year because I went to a private school. So I had five years of varsity experience. So if you look at that, how many guys play varsity baseball in eighth grade or even have the option? Cause you, I went to an Academy. So that kind of starts right there. I lettered five times in the uh, varsity ranks. So whenever that happens, it's, uh, you know, you, you realize that you're, you set yourself apart right there from the start. Okay. And then you play team USA. That's when you ever know when you go out there and you start to hit three, four hole playing first base for team USA, you know, that you're, uh, you, you know, that you've kind of set yourself apart. Well, on your high school team, it, you, you were, I mean, you were clearly, you were projected first round pick, but the, I think the wild thing about your team is your senior year, you've got another first round pick on your team and Eric Hurley. What was the, the scout to fan attendance ratio at your, your game, your senior year? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, this is cool. I like telling the story cause you just don't see it, especially where I live now up in Idaho Falls. Me and him both were multiple team USA teammates. We, we played on it multiple times. I played on it, like, I think 16, 1816, 17, didn't play on 18 because I got drafted. So we both played it, and we were both on it as juniors. And then we go in. I mean, you got to think, like, we're in Florida, man. It's a powerhouse. I mean, we didn't even win our we didn't even win our district we didn't even win our our district tournament our senior year. Even for Florida, though, having two first round picks on one high school team is the 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 odds are astronomical. Well, I transferred to that one. I wasn't in the district where we had. I, I went in as like a, a as a a, a a magnet student. Like I kind of I kind of transferred. I had to take some like law classes. It was a law magnet school across towns because it was like 40, 40 minutes from my my house. I was on the west side. But we, me and me and uh, Eric's dad um, and my dad kind of made like a pack saying after my freshman year saying these guys. So I, I would say after my freshman years, whenever these scouts were wanting to come watch us both and everything like that, and we were like, all right, well. You know, if we get on the same team, then we'll, you know, the it'll make it easier for the uh, the scouts to watch us both. We didn't know it was going to transpire the way it did, but uh, yeah, we didn't even win our own district tournament. Then we go on and we lost in the state championship. The team that had like uh, 
his name Warren McFadden went to LSU or Tulane and, and Anthony Swarzak, who's still in the big leagues. He beat us championship game. Swarzak likes to throw that around to his teammates with the Yankees. He, uh, you know, wore the state championship ring to rub it in my face. I appreciate that kind of that kind of petty, honestly. Oh, I love it. I love it. I didn't even know he. I didn't even know he had it with him, but he had it. He had his mom send it out so I could look at it. That's kind of funny, huh? That's honestly incredible. It's incredible. I, I love the guy. And me and Swarzak are still friends to the day. He's awesome. Great pitcher. Great. I mean, the team we freaking lost to. I mean, we should look it up. I. It had like multiple. I mean, like it was Nova High School, two thousand four. Have no clue. I mean, I just am spitballing off the top of my head. I think they had at least six D one guys on their team. Not, not doesn't mean they're drafted. That's that, that doesn't even mean they were drafted. I mean, so I think some of those guys were drafted and they still went to college, but they were D one commits. And I don't even know if they all went to D one. Some of them went to junior college or whatever. But that's that's insane. And um. You know, Swarzak was the biggest name on that team, and he 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 did well with us. I mean, we we had a good high school team. It's just after me had me and Eric, we 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 weren't as we weren't as strong as they were. And believe it or not, Eric threw the uh, semifinal game. I believe it was against Sarasota. I know I know Sarasota. That was freaking Ian Desmond too. Me and Ian were re- really good friends. Ian Desmond. But um, back to I sorry I got off off track here. Yeah, um, no worries. Ian, Ian Desmond's obviously a tremendous player too. He, we had the same agent for a while, and and uh, he was a third round pick to the, uh, you know, still it was the Expos the last year of the Expos before they went to the Nationals. Played against Wade Davis down there too. He was a Lake Wales guy. So I, I'm just naming off these guys. These are guys I played against in high school, and they get drafted. I was at the same pre-draft workout with the with the Dino, uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays as Wade Davis. And obviously, I liked him enough. They they drafted him, and he's obviously. That wasn't a that, that was a tremendous draft pick. <laughs> Sorry, let's get back to the question that you actually asked first, and we'll get to that. The actual the ratio from t- scouts to, uh, to 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 actual fans were probably three to one. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> every single team was there. I mean, I can remember the every single team there, every game, every game. Royals just had three first round picks that year, and the area scout was Cliff Pasternicki. I don't know if that. Rings a rings a bell. His son played in the big leagues too. Tyler for the Braves, and Cliff was, I guess, instructed by the Royals. They didn't he didn't miss a batting practice. I had if I was hitting, he was there. You've got the the lead up to the draft. How did you navigate that with with team workouts and and trying to figure out where you're going to fall? Because at a certain point, you had to. I imagine that you knew you were going to be a first round pick, and it's just kind of navigating where's the slot. Kind of didn't know I was going to be a first round pick. I mean, you just don't know how the draft's going to work, and because uh, I wasn't like a, a solidified like top ten guy, it was one of those ones where the Royals wanted me, but they didn't know if they were going to take me at the fourteenth pick or the 29th. So you kind of know where I fell there, okay? And I'm at the Yankees workout the day before the draft, and the Yankees love me. From what this is, what everything I've said from George. I mean, back at my pre-draft workout, I went to. I, I go to a pre-draft. So this is how the, everything transpires. I I go to a pre-draft workout with the Yankees, knowing and they had to pick at twenty-three, and they picked Phil Hughes. They bring in. I mean, so Cashman's there, and uh, Jerry Krause actually works for worked for them. He scouted me all year, my senior year, after he left the Bulls. I mean, that's kind of a crazy fact. Fact, if you watch the uh, the last dance, did you watch that? Oh yeah, 
Oh, you watch yeah. The Last Dance, so all that Jerry Krause stuff on there. I'm sitting there thinking, hey, this guy they're talking about right here, he scouted me my whole senior year for uh, George Steinbrenner. He worked directly right. He he was his right hand man as a talent evaluator, as a as, as a direct assistant to George Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman. So I mean, he maybe and that's what he's. If you look at Jerry Krause as his original before he went to basketball, he was a he was a baseball scout. If you look at his Wikipedia. Um, didn't know that he was with the White Sox back then. Kind of went back to he he worked a couple of years with the Yankees, but then went back to the White Sox. He was always in the Chicago area. So I'm at this workout day for the draft, and we've all been kind of saying this is this is possibly where I could go. The Yankees have been on me as well. Had everybody there. They, they they've loved me from day one as well. Um, I go out there and I mean I absolutely took the worst batting practice of my life of my life. And I mean, I'm talking, I couldn't get the ball out of the cage. And I'm sitting here with guys like Richie Robnett, who was another first round pick to the, who was it, the A's, I think. You get these guys hitting balls. I'm talking over the freaking clubhouse. I mean, they're hitting bombs. So I get done with my, my, my round. I'm out there, you know, in the outfield shagging and everything like that. My dad calls me over to the fence and my dad goes, Hey, you need to get your stuff. We have to leave. And I look straight at my dad and I go, I play, I did that bad. They don't even want me here anymore. And it was funny because he goes, I'll tell you when you get to the car, you just got to get your, you got to get your stuff and try to get, go unseen. So I go and grab my stuff and I'm walking down the, you know, you know, you know, spring chain complexes. All right. They have all those, you know, the the, the diamonds. Yeah. They have the clover and everything like that. You're walking out. So you can't really go unseen. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're walking out. And I was the guy there they wanted to see. And I'm like leaving middle of workout because they wanted to talk to me the whole time after everybody was hitting. They, they, apparently, this is what was told to me. So Steinbrenner, everybody up top, you know, you're on the, they're on the top on that, um, on that big, big, um, you know, where you can see all four fields. What's that called? Like a, like the tower, you know, like, can, like yeah, where the, the tower, concession the tower stand would be yeah, or something. Yeah, the tower. Sorry. Yeah, the towers where you can kind of walk and look at all the fields because every field's filled up and they're doing all this. Well, they see me walking out and George Steinbrenner, Cashman, everybody's up there watching up there. You hear him go over the intercom and it says, don't let Butler leave. So somebody comes down there and I, and I hear this and I'm like that. Next thing you know, you see Cashman, you see um, Brian Cashman, you see George Steinbrenner and, and everybody go down and, and come in the meet list. And he asked me, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Well, what the story was is my agent was on the phone and I had a pre-draft workout, pre-draft deal worked out with the Royals. So the only way I wasn't a Royal was if I got drafted before 14th. So draft day didn't have a whole lot of, I already kind of, there was a verbal agreement. So there was a, there was a lot of things that, I mean, that was, that was back in the day. Like you don't do that now. Well, nothing was in writing. It was, it was a, it was a word. It was basically a, I gave them my word and they gave me their word and they fell through that. That's the reason why I have, I, I'll, I'll be a Royal to the, till the end. I'll do anything for Kansas city. Because they gave me their word, they held to it just like I did. I'll tell you why I held to my word. Because they saw on the phone, and and he, and the and the the scouting director at at the time with us was uh, Derek Ladner, and he's talking to my agent, and and, and they're kind of going back and forth on numbers. And finally, my dad goes, "Just hey, can I talk to him?" And my dad goes on, gets on the phone. He goes, "Derek, what's what, what's what's the big holdup here?" We want to be a Royal. And so is my son. You want him to be a Royal. So what's the big hold up here? He goes, well, you know, we're really struggling at the big league level right now. I got the, I got the owner, David Glass, you know, 
wanting some college pitching so it gets up here faster because um, you know we're really struggling pitching and we need some and we need something to look forward to. So he says, I can't. I think um, the slot was like maybe like 1.6, 1.6 for that pick. And if you look at it now, it's like triple that. I look at it all the time, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a, Hey, Hey, it's inflation. Right. But um, you, you, you look at it and he goes, he goes, he goes, I, I bet, I think I could give him a sign off on it. If it was one, four, five, 1.45 million. And my dad goes, you can hold that. $50,000. And if you sign him for 1.4, we'll guarantee you that he'll be a Royal. You can guarantee me that. And they said, yes. So that's the reason why my dad called me over and I had to get out of there because basically I had a deal worked with the Royals verbally and everything like that. So back to the Cashman and Steinbrenner and everything, they come over there and they go, so what's going on? When they, and they told him we have a pre-draft deal with the, with the, with the Royals. And he goes, well, that doesn't mean anything. That's just, you know, there's nothing in writing. It's what George, George Steinbrenner said to my dad. And, uh, my dad looked straight at George and goes, uh, we're, we're, we're a family and we're, we're of our word. So we gave the Royals our word and you know, that's what we're going to do. And George looked straight at me and my dad kind of fitting because i ended up finishing my career with the with the with the yankees and this is after george died too so he must have you know uh, his son must have you know been a part of this too and they like me because they got me a free agency after i mean towards the end he goes he looks straight and he says he goes looks right hey f it we'll get you in free agency he wasn't wrong no that's what he said i mean I, yeah it was kind of crazy that's a true story that's true absolutely everything about that's true and i yeah th- and that's pretty cool so I thought I played bad enough to where I wasn't even going to get drafted anywhere near that pick because I played so bad. But I went from that. It doesn't it shows you that that stuff's already predetermined? It doesn't really matter how you perform on those workouts. They've watched so they've watched you so much. They had like four years of me working out with Team USA and everything like that, and like because our team trials were in Georgia Tech. I was hitting balls as a sophomore, hitting balls out out of Georgia Tech opposite field, freaking all around with a wood bat. So, I mean, like a pre-draft workout just to get you out there. And the guy they want to is just so they can talk numbers. Honestly, they already know who they're, they're wanting. Well, speaking of those numbers, so the Royals do pop you at 14 and they give you that 1.45. That's a lot of money at any age. How do you, how do you prep for that at 18? <laughs> well, you know what I had, I had uh, really good people on my side, like my parents. So the first thing that we did was we hired a financial advisor. I still have that financial advisor to this day it was the best thing that we ever did i'm more scared of him than my parents so i don't, I don't really call and ask him for extra actual money that much I, I do it whenever i just do it whenever i'm you know wanting to do something open a business like i'm opening a facility up here and i needed some needed some money to do that i'm not doing it just to waste money but i'm i'm, I'm doing a sports facility up here where i can teach kids the game and everything like that so i mean it's been it's been great so the the perk of agreeing to that pre-draft number is you get out to pro ball quick. There's no waiting around until August 15th or the signing deadline or something or you know having to head to the complex league. They send you right to short season Idaho Falls where you live now, 74 yeah. games. And like the the competition it seems that the the actual competition level you hit 373. It doesn't seem like that was the toughest adjustment. But what was the benefit to your career? 
and the adjustment period in Pro Bowl of spending those 74 games in short season Idaho and not in the complex league, especially just taking into consideration that we've likely seen the last of short season baseball as, as it has been. We've seen, we've seen the last of short season Idaho. Well, the, the benefit of it is, is you get out there and you play and, and, and you actually have fans. Like the, the fans here, they, I mean, they, they, uh, the stadium out here holds five to 6,000 people, maybe more than that, that standing room out there. And they, and they sell out every night. That's what I was, um, struggling with on this because they've been affiliated with the Royals ever since I was drafted because they've had success on guys going through here. And the, and, and the Royals are a team that, Everything I've heard, we're not a fan of this move of, of downsizing this. And there's other very, very much of the small market teams aren't because they have to rely on their farm system more. And so, I mean, they need all the players they can get that to to do that. When you got a team like the Yankees or whatever, they don't really care about this because you know they're they're heavy in free agency. I mean, whenever they want, all that kind of spending. So, I mean, they need more. The, the Royals and other small market teams are all about more development. It's always good. I mean, there's some guys that just need it. The Royals are notable for keeping the the team in Idaho Falls, keeping a Northwest League, uh, Northwest League team and also an Appy League team. They keep one in Burlington. Yeah. Yeah. So they lost more than just one team. And talked to some guys in the organization. They're like, oh, man, we need we need as many pitchers as we can get. Because, you know, to evaluate a pitcher, I mean, you need X amount of of pitchers to, you know, to hit on one of them. I mean, so they're taking that away from us is basically what they're, is what they're saying on that. And then, so if you go back to what I was saying is you actually get to play in front of real fans, real adrenaline, instead of playing at 10 AM in the middle of summer, because it's so hot and on a, on one of the spring training fields with only, only freaking scouts watching. I mean, you tell me what's, I mean, I feel like that's not really doing anything for you. Now, granted it's baseball and, and I like and, and and you're still getting better by playing every day, but you don't learn how to play in front of fans unless you play in front of them. Your first full year in pro ball, they jump you right to high A. You end that year in double A. That kind of puts you on the fast track. Do you think you could have done that as smoothly, adjusted to high, adjusted the Cal League without an actual short season club, without that kind of everything that goes into to playing for an actual ball club instead of just playing in the complex? Uh, I definitely don't think so. I, I definitely think that my time here in Idaho Falls gave me the confidence that to that 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 lasted all the way up through my career. Now I, I'm not saying I'm of the um, you know, that I wouldn't have made it without it here or without. I mean, I just think it was a smooth transition. That the reason why the Royals have stayed here is because they've had success grooming players to come through here, and I don't think it's by coincidence. Um, I. I probably, I mean, uh, you know, like <laughs> I needed to, to to stay at certain levels and stay in Idaho Falls and everything like that. I mean, I got told I could hit in the big leagues right when I got drafted. It was just defensively that I needed a lot of work. I, I wasn't a complete player, nor was I ever really because I couldn't run or, or do anything. But I ended up playing a lot of games at first base that they told me I'd never end up, I never played defensively. I had multiple people tell me that I would never play defensively in the big leagues. So I, I actually proved some people wrong, even though like I was a high pick, I was supposed to be in the big leagues. I was, you know, I did exactly what I was supposed to, but defensively, I actually proved people wrong by hard work. I had a lot of people, you know, Mike Jersley, who's on, who's on the Royal staff too, still. And he, um, yeah, he put a lot of time with me defensively to, to be mediocre. 
Well, what made that such a priority for you to remain on the field? Because you were you were gonna hit your way to the big leagues regardless. Like you knew that you you know you were gonna be in a corner outfield spot anyways. It's not a big difference for being a DH. What what made putting that work in playing defense something that you actually wanted to really give your all? It's it's personal pride. I just didn't want to settle for 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 just being a DH. I never wanted to. I I've had you know. So many people tell me I couldn't do it. And I was, you know, I'm one of those guys. Well, I, I'll show you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I didn't want to be set the bench in a freaking interleague game. I I wanted to be able to be able to play different positions. I mean, like at the end of the day, I played I played outfield in the big leagues. I played first base in the big leagues. I, you know, I know I was there because of my bat, but I I worked hard defensively. Just just it was personal pride. I mean, I have, you know. Every single guy gets to big leagues. You know, you have a certain amount of ego and you have a certain amount of pride. And and hell, hell that's part of the reason why you get there. And you're mentally strong. So I had that combination working for me. Well, as much work as you were putting into the defense, the, the hitting thing from the get-go seemed like like things were pretty smooth. Your first full year, you hit 348 in high A, then you hit 312 in double A at 19, 30 homers across both levels was facing pro pitching like easier than you thought it'd be at that point? Like, were you expecting more of an adjustment period? So you're asking about, you know, you're asking about, you know, Billy Butler, the player, everything like that. I was, I was so hyper mentally focused that I didn't care who was pitching. You know, I was looking for a ball in a certain area and if it wasn't there, I wasn't swinging at it. I was just ultra disciplined from the get go and I was ultra stubborn and I would, and if it wasn't my pitch, I just, it didn't matter if I got a hit or not, you know, everybody gets fooled and everything like that. I'm not saying anybody's perfect or anything like that, but I had a plan and I had a goal and I had every single at bat and I just executed it more than the average, even major league guy did. And and that's because I had, I would, I would spend more time doing video. I would spend more time in the cage. I would, all that kind of stuff to set myself up for success. After that first full year and you're on top prospect rankings and things like that, when you're when you're coming up, how aware are you of those? Does does anything go to your head in any sense, or were you able to to keep that same kind of mindset and keep blinders on? I was of the mindset that I wanted to play and get to the big leagues as fast as possible. Didn't know when that would happen. Didn't care when that happened. I was honestly going out to the ballpark every single day because I love baseball and that's what I wanted to do. I honestly kept it a game. I didn't even care about the scouting part of side. I just went out there and said, you know what, if you throw this ball up here, I'm going to hit the cover off of it. And I'm going to hit, and I just, and, and that's what I did. I just kept it simple. I kept it simple for so long, but I was, I was a hitter and I wasn't a power hitter. I mean, I could sit up there and try to hit you a home run every single time. It just wasn't who I was. That wasn't what I was going to do. And that's what they want now. If you look around the leagues, it's all the guys are trying to do. Well, when you're coming up, with if if you were coming up now, if you're if Billy Butler's coming up in in 2020 and you're hitting, you know, you're hitting 330 in Double A, which you hit during your second full year, would would how you have approached the game you think change how you would have approached your ABs? Would you have been selling out for a bit more power? I think that they're teaching the game differently and everything like that. I just nobody ever tried to teach me how to hit. Nobody ever did that because when I got up in there, I was. You know, are you going to try to tell somebody to hit that's hitting 350 and 19 years old and double A? Are you, I mean, you're going to, you're going to leave them alone. You know, hitting coach, they'd be stupid. You're just going to go throw him balls in the cage and watch him hit. If he asked you something, 
then you're going to tell them something. So um, the way that they're teaching now is, I don't know why you would ever not teach to, you know, look for your pitch, you know, work the count. That's what I was. I was a guy that worked the counts when I went to the age. I mean, I was a guy that saw a lot of freaking pitches every single at bat. Work the guy. I mean, now it doesn't even matter if you get the starter out of there. So, I mean, it's generations kind of changed. So, I don't even know where I would fit in now. I don't even, or, or, or to be honest with you, or care. Some of the stuff with these games now, man, you got some of these guys that are, you know, they're not, some of these guys, I mean, I'm watching baseball and they're, they don't, they don't run the ball out. They don't, they don't run hard. I mean, when I came up, it was still old school, man. You respected your veterans, man. You sang on the bus. You, you know, you paid your dues and everything like that. I just feel like some of these guys are coming up now and they're like, they're entitled, you know, pimping home runs. You know what happened? You used to have whenever you pimped the home run, like, like, I mean, it was bad. Now you can't even do that because the umpires are so sensitive. They're, they're freaking, they're, they're warning guys and everything like that. I pimped a home run one time off Chris Sale. You know, I hit the ball. I hit, I hit a bomb. And this is like probably 10 years ago. I don't remember what it was. I hit a bomb. Next day, freaking Jake Peavy sticks one in my side. And, 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 uh, you got AJ Prasinski behind the plate. You know what that was for. You know what that was for. And I said, yeah, all right, all right, I got it. Yeah, I got it. So I was one of those guys, you know, I didn't care about that. You hit me. Well, I'll go to first base. I don't care. You didn't want me to hit the home run. You shouldn't have freaking threw it over the plate. You should have hit the spot better. And then, then the next thing you know, I go four, four off Jake P with another homer. And I, you know what? That's how I freaking got back at him. But you got these guys now. They're so sensitive. You can't pitch inside. Uh, man, it's, it's the game's changed, man. Uh, game's changed. I, I just don't know what we're teaching the, the, the kids I'm teaching now, like eight, 10 years old. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard because you got these guys. They're not actually playing the game anymore. They're, they're they're not running balls out. They're not playing hard. You see the guys that just take days off. I was the guy. You grind out. I played 162 games a few times. You know, you just played hard. I don't I don't feel like the guys are playing as hard anymore. Well, going back to when you're when you're coming up and you get yeah. what would be your first experience in a big league stadium. Yeah, in 2006, yeah. you're in Double A all year. You hit 331, but you head to the Futures game. Walk me oh, through yeah. the the experience playing in a big league park during our during you know the All Star festivities at twenty and having the game you had. Yeah, you know I went in. I stopped playing left field at that time and go in. Me and Alex Gordon are on the team. My Eric Crilly's on that team, I believe too. I, 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 d- I unfortunately don't have the rosters up in front of me. I probably should have done. I, I, I probably should have had that research. I'm with Ryan Braun. Yeah, we I mean, were pretty stacked. We we had a we, we went we went. I had a I hit a home run the center on a full count. I grade at bat. The guy throws me a slider. You know, breaks down over over the plate and I hit it out the center field at PNC and and Pittsburgh. Hit another hit another single in the row. It's off Carlos Carrasco. Um, he was still with the Phillies then before he got traded. Cliff Lee trade to Philly. Um, yeah, I mean. I just I played well. I had a great game, and um, that was, uh, you know, it was a great honor. I still have that. I mean, obviously, I still have that very that 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 trophy sitting out here. That's one of my, it's one of my crown jewel achievements. When you when you leave that weekend, you leave the futures game as the MVP. Is there any disappointment in going back to Wichita after that? Going <laughs> back to Double A? Um, no, no, because we. I, I mean, with the Wichita team. Back in 06, I mean, it was a great team. Um, we lost we lost to uh, Hunter Pence and Ben Zobrist and Corpus Christi Hooks 
we lost to them in the championship that year. We had like six first round picks on our team, first, second round picks. Um, we were a really good team. We had an unbelievable team. Like, you know, six of us, me and Alex Gordon, Mitch Meyer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You had, yeah, a bunch of first round picks back then. I mean, it was just a fun year. So, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it like that. I was just playing baseball, like I said. At what point do you start peeking at the big lead depth chart going and though and say like, I, you know, maybe I, I, I can, I could hit better than that guy or I could, you know, I should be up there. Well, it's one of those things when the Royals are so bad in 06. We, I mean, the guys on our team, we, we watched them. We watched it in 06 whenever we were on the road and everything like that. And that was the year they lost like 19 games in a row. I remember that one had a historically bad losing streak. Um, and we're sitting there thinking like, what on earth or why? I mean, like, why aren't they sending guys out? But like, you know, there's, it's a business and, 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 you know, I didn't think about it at the time like that, but I'm looking back thinking we're so bad up here. Like I'm playing in double A. Why would they start my, service clock time i I mean i don't it's one of the it's always that question well in 2007 they they go ahead and they decide to to start that clock walk me through getting the call um you so i I, um i'm sitting there i'm asleep because mike jersey calls me like seven o'clock in the morning and i'm so out of it like i thought we had like a day game and because so jersey mike he calls me he goes Hey, where are you at? We're about to start the game. And I like, like, and I'm like, Oh no. Like I, I literally didn't realize what time it was or anything like that. I was woken up out of a cold sleep. He was messing with me and he got, cause he made me feel like I was late for, you know, the day game that we had that day. And then he just goes, no, nah, I'm just messing with you. You need to, you need to get in the car and pack your stuff up and get the Kansas city as fast as you can. You're playing against the, you know, the angels tonight up in, up in Kansas city. And it's a three hour drive. Yeah, and so it's pretty cool. Next thing you know, I call my dad, my mom. They they're getting on a flight to come out, and and um, you know we have a rain delay. It was raining that day in Kansas City, and we drive to the park. And on the way to the park, we get into Kansas City. I mean, we're going fast. I'm trying to get there because you know it's like four o'clock. It, it's like four o'clock, and we're we're driving down I-29, and um, <laughs> and. And we get pulled over by a cop. And he goes, why are you going so fast? And I go, you know, honestly, I just got I just got called up. And, you know, I'm late for BP. And I'm trying to get there to hit for the game and everything like that. He looks at my license. And he hands it back. says, we've been waiting. I need to come. You need to get there a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I get to the park, you know, like the game, you know, take take batting practice and everything like that. Game starts. I'm hitting seventh, playing the outfield. My dad doesn't. My parents can't get from Jacksonville, Florida, to there in time um, for the game, the start of the game. So I literally am on deck, and that's when my dad walks through the tunnel, and and he comes up, and I mean, he comes up, and he's like, he let me know he was there and everything like that, and it's pretty cool because they gave us like crown seats on the front for the first game, and. (laughs) 
Yeah, so my dad literally walked in right when I was coming to the plate to hit for my first career at bat, and it was a, you know, that was a big one because I had, I had a single to left to, uh, you know, start my big league career off of Bartolo Colon. So he barely made it in time to see me get that hit. So it's pretty special. Do you even go up there with the plan your first big league at bat, or can you can you like feel your extremities at all? Is it just I mean, you're trying just... to you're trying to keep. You're trying to go up there with a plan, but I got I got Benji Molina catching and and uh, and put one of the best pitchers at the time. What just came up with Cy Young out there on the mound throwing 95 mile an hour balls. I've never seen that type of movement on 95 ever, and still to this day haven't. You know, and <laughs> I'm sitting there taking pitches away, and I'm like, "There's no way that's even close." But I know he's going to get the the pitch, and it, I go look at it on video; it's on the corner, and I'm like, "Wow, that moved a lot." And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the plan was to, you know, obviously he's throwing sinkers up there. He's throwing hard sinkers too. It's like, you know, don't swing anything in. So what's the first thing I do is swing at one in and I just happen to hit it in the five, six hole. I mean, so you have a plan, but there's no, it's hard to stick to it when you're in that type of situation. You mentioned video and the advantage of, of having that, that video, especially in the, in the big leagues, you had such access to it. And right now it's a big story because the guys aren't getting access to video because of um because of that scandal how important for you as a hitter they're not is that is that in yeah not right yeah this year 2020 no video but how important for you as a hitter is that in-game video how much of a difference does that make well it made it it's it's a difference maker because you know it's called the bat system you go in there and you click on on whoever you're facing and you you can see like the history. Say if I go in there and I say just throw a name out there, I'm gonna update myself a little bit. You'll see Doug Fister. You remember Doug Fister, right? Of course. Yeah, and I probably faced him 50 times. You can see every single pitch he's throwing you, what the percentage is, how many pitches he threw you first pitch, whatever pitch it was, and where the location was at at all times. So I mean, it makes it really easy if you just use it correctly. So obviously, if I go in there, I look eighty percent sinkers. I mean, which you you know, Doug Fister threw one of the best sinkers in the game. He threw he threw me probably like six. I, I'm eighties a little high, probably like seventy percent sinkers, fifteen percent changeup, and fifteen percent breaking ball or slider off like that right there. So I mean, you'd be stupid not to go up there and look for a sinker every time. That's the type of thing I'm looking about and make sure it's out over plate and. Obviously, you know what Doug Fister's out there trying to do to you. He's trying to throw me sinkers in. He's trying to get me to expand the plate inside. Which so what I do is usually dive in, makes that inside pitch look even more in, to where I can expand the outside of the plate. That's just a scouting report off a certain guy that I would use. I mean, you can you can go, you know, Irvin Santana, who I faced a ton too, and I hit, and he was a teammate of mine, and uh, you know he's hit. He me and him had a had a rough you know relationship when he was with the Angels because he hit me like a four or five times, but I also hit five home runs off of him. So he was like, not many people had that type of success off of him. So, I mean, he was my teammate and he was just like, Oh man, you know, I was just trying to get the ball in there. I'd rather freaking get it in there than you get another home run off me. So I was like, all right, you know, you're probably right. I mean, so I mean, I thought he was freaking just trying to hit me to hit me. You know, you know how baseball players are. They're like, Hey, you know, you know, you're, you're hitting me on purpose. Take everything personally. Everything personally. I mean, but then you meet the guy as a freaking teammate. It's it's something something like it's it's always something, man. Whenever guy becomes your teammate, you instantly love him. So, yeah, I mean that's just the way it works. Well, speaking of teammates, when you get up, you're 21 years old. It would have been your junior year of college. You've got a few guys on that team, like Mark Ruzalonic was nearly old enough to be your dad. How do you assert yourself <laughs> in the big league clubhouse? Like, 
as a a young young guy like you're not a guy who's just like 24 25 you're young you're college age young that's what i say is the game's so different now because it's not there's anything you know what i did when i was that age and like that i i sat in my locker and i shut up and i watched how to be a big league guy like mark gridzelanic mike sweeney i watched reggie sanders um those guys right there. I mean, you got the guy, the, the ultimate respect for those guys. I mean, I did so many things wrong as a, as a, as a rookie that they're bringing me aside and correcting me for that. I don't think the guys have the ego now to where do they, they accept that kind of stuff. And it's just, Oh man, like I learned so much from those guys. So, I mean, they, they molded me into the guy I was. That's the reason why I was the veteran. I was, that's the way, that's the reason why I, you know, I got that front seat on the bus is because that's the reason why. I mean, it's because they taught you how to, how a team should be ran. They, they taught you how you should how you should go about your business and how you should handle yourself as a as a major league player. Because it, it comes with a lot of responsibility, in my opinion. I mean, you're you're playing it for the guys that are coming after you that that are looking up to you. That's what's what that's what got taught to me. How long did it take you to feel like you're there for good, not getting sent back down again? It took me three years. I mean, because it actually, it was in my third season. 07, I was, you know, I got I came up for 15 days, got sent back down when Mike Sweeney was healthy, then came back up in July for the rest of the year. And I had a, I had a good rookie second half and played well. And then I get, and 08 starts, I make the team. And. Um, yeah, and, and I started out really good in April. I think I won Player of the Month. I, I won Royals Player of the Month, and hitting tremendous. And by the end of May, I was sent down to the minor leagues again. And um, that time for a couple months, and then came back up and had another good second half. So then '09 starts, and I have a miserable April. I mean, it's terrible. And then this is when Kevin I, Kevin Seitz is like the best hitting coach in my mind. I, I love him. I love his philosophy. I I, you know, I teach it now to this day with kids, you know, at every level. I, it, it, uh, and he, I, th- I give him credit for seeing my potential and, and, and making it come out because for the next five to seven years after that, I was, you know, arguably, you know, aside from David Ortiz, who put himself, he's a, he's a freak of nature. Um, obviously he's going in. In my opinion, he's going in the Hall of Fame. Been one of the best, besides one of the best designated hitters of all time. I mean, I hate to ever label somebody as the best, but because uh, um, you have to watch yourself. There's so many guys that have played. There's a lot, a ton of good players, but he's in the argument. He's in the question. Um, other than that, I was, you know, the top designated hitter in the game, and I and 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 I give Kevin such a lot of credit for working with me and. And and, and 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 being that guy that taught me even more how to be a hitter. Because before that, I was like, I did the hitting and everything like that, but I realized what my what my role was and what I was doing as a as a, as a guy up at the plate. And that's when I, and I in 09, after that, I hit I hit 300 for the first time. I almost did as a, as a as a rookie, but I hit 300 for the first time. Had 51 doubles, had two, over 20 homers, 90 something RBIs. So after that, I went on like a five year run where I was really, really, really good, and I, I give him, you know, a lot of a lot of respect and 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 credit for that for me.
I know I had to go up there and hit, but he knows somebody got somebody's, you know, as a hitting coach, there's a reason why they have hitting coaches and he did, he did tremendous. So once you are established though, and you know, you're not going back down and you're, you're a starter, you're entrenched in Kansas city. What do year to year adjustments look like? Is it swing tinkering? Is it learning pitchers more? Is it goals? Like I, I need to take more walks or hit more homers. What do what does the year to year look like for a guy who's who's in the big leagues firmly? Well, I mean, so the the the, the goals are mine are mine were mine were daily goals and and, and weekly goals, and if you don't have season goals out of the gate. If you have if you accomplish those daily goals, weekly goals, they turn into season goals. In my opinion, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That we, you, you you can't go to the park saying, "Hey, man, I'm going to hit 320 with 30 bombs and 115 RBIs." Oh, but this is only day one. So I mean, that makes it doesn't really, <laughs> really doesn't really stack up like that. You have to break it down. And it broke it down into honestly, I was going up there looking for a certain pitch, certain count, and hard hit contact. Hard hit contact. Hard. I mean, I was always. That's that's the one thing. It's just, the only thing you can control is hitting it on the on the barrel, and and if you, if you look that up, which is hard hit contact, up there, I was in the top five in both leagues out of both leagues every year of my big league career. I just I didn't run well. I did not have many infield hits. You see, whenever I whatever I hit was a true average. I'm not going up there like a Gerard Dyson. If I hit a ball and the guy moves two steps, I'm safe. I have to hit the ball through the infield. And not to mention, sometimes when I hit in the outfield, they can still throw me out. Because I remember in in Toronto, I'm facing their closer. Remember who's like um, Casey? I mean, uh, they had a they had a closer, and I had a freaking rocket. And we're down one. I hit a Casey rocket. Jansen. Right, Casey Jansen. I hit a rocket to right field. One hot rocket right to Jose Bautista, and he he freaking throws an absolute laser beam, beats me by a step at first. And I'm telling you, I immediately out of the box was running. And I hit it hard. It was a perfect one one hop, and he just gunned me out at first. They, I mean, Jose was practicing that. He practiced. If you watch them in batting practice, he works on that play every day. <laughs> and I hit the absolute ball. It goes 115 miles an hour, one hop to him on the right, and he throws me out at first base. I, there's no chance of me beating it. Well, in 2012, the day-to-day, week-to-week goals seemed to, seemed to hit even better. Because you have it, you have a standout year in 2012. You you're an all star, silver slugger, career highs in most offensive categories. What is the experience like during that year? What made the difference? What made 2012 the year it was for you? I mean, I just think I, you know, like man, I, I can't. I can tell you in other years, man, I'd hit 10 balls a year that would that would hit the fence and just not go out. I mean, Kaufman, you gotta understand, Kaufman is a graveyard. It's huge. It's one of the biggest. They brought that. They brought the freaking fences in from when that thing was 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 built. There used to be four twenty in center. It's four ten now, and it used to be four hundred in the gaps, and now it's three ninety. I mean, so you can imagine how big that is. There's a lot of doubles. That's why I was a doubles guy. I'd hit home runs in another place. I mean, if I'd have played in Yankee Stadium or Boston, whenever my whole career, I mean, you can I don't want to say double those numbers, but there's definitely more. There's definitely more of everything. I mean, but. It's one of those things where that year I just got, you know, got a couple more balls to leave the park. You know, some of those doubles turned into homers because I hit 30-something doubles that year and hit 30-something homers. And that's just, you know, everything just kind of, you know, came to fruition. 
And then what's it like making the all-star team when, when all-star weekend is in your home city? Amazing. Amazing. That, 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 uh, people remind, remember that, uh, uh, memory of me and Robinson Cano more than anything else I did in my career. That one in the free and the, and the one in with Oakland when the Chris Jimenez, when I got into it as a catcher, it's a, I get texts all the time. Something I saw you on YouTube and you hit that home run off of Josh Tomlin. You got into it as a catcher with him, but like <laughs> that all-star experience was incredible because Robinson Cano goes on the, on the record and says, that he is going to put me on the home run derby. There was a T or there, he goes on record and then doesn't. Um, so the, 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 the fans just went nuts and he almost, he, he, he quit. I mean, he was going to go home. Wasn't even going to play in the all-star game. Cause they, cause he did so he, he, because they were on him so bad in the home run derby. He didn't even hit a homer. He didn't even hit a home run. I mean, so it, it was a, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I had to go in there and I talked to him and he go, I go, Hey man, I just talked to him and tell him, Hey man, you, you, you don't need to go. Don't, I mean, you, you need to sit here. I mean, you, you, need to, you need to play tomorrow because I mean, you earn this just like the rest of us. You don't have to leave. You shouldn't leave. You shouldn't let the fans do that. Get to you like that and just let it go. So he stayed and, and yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Well, post all-star break for majority of your career, things aren't things aren't great in Kansas City. What are August and September like on a team that's just completely out of the race? Yeah, I mean, it was tough to stay there. I mean, it was so tough because yeah, it, I mean, it's so tough. There's always so much transition in Kansas City. I mean, you're you're trading away guys that were on your team to to help you win to to, to you know get more you just had guys that were, you know, moving in and out. I mean, I can't tell you how many teammates. I had more teammates than you should have had because there, there's so much change because you're not doing well. I mean, I played my best years every every single time was better in the second half than I was in the first half. So it just shows that I had I had really, really good focus and still focused on what was, you know, the goals in mind, even though in the dog days you were out of it and you weren't winning. At what point did 2014 feel like it was going to be different in terms of team performance? Because there was there was a pretty a famous Baseball America cover with the, all the Royals' top prospects when it was Hosmer and Mustakas and those guys coming up. Did did you you know did you think in, in the spring training of 2014 that this was the year? Um, it started in 2013, um, and. They, uh, and, and because we ended the season, we were still, we were like 10 games, we had 86 and 76 and missed the playoffs, but we went on a run there late. And then we started off actual 2014 kind of slow. And then, and then, you know, we just kind of took off in August and we, I think we, we had, we won like 12, 15 games in a row and we were, we were rolling. And that's whenever like we had the confidence, we were one of those teams that, you know, once it got to the seventh inning, if we had a sixth inning, we had the lead. It was over because we had the best bullpen in baseball. When you get to the postseason for the first time and you're you're experiencing that, you're you're seeing the city of Kansas City because normally it was pretty much shut down in in October. It was it was Chief season at that point. What did that that mean to you as someone who was there for the very lean years? I mean, I was so. If you look at the team, if you look at the team, I uh, I, I was the longest tenured guy on that 2014 team that made it there. I was the earliest draft pick. I was. You know, 
guy that had been in the organization for the longest. And it was, uh, you know, it was just like, felt like it would never happen. I felt like, you know, to, to the certain, to this day, I felt like my, my prime years, my, my best, my best years got wasted on a bad team. I know that wasn't what they intended. They were trying to put a winning team out there and it just took time and it just happened later. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to see it come from, man, I was on so many 90 loss teams, so many 90 plus loss teams, and then to see it turn around and, you know, win, win the, uh, get the wild card, win the, win the, uh, you know, that wild card game was incredible. And then, you know, just sweeping all the way, setting a record for most wins in a row to start off the playoffs. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was an unreal situation. Well, you guys, you guys dropped the World Series to the Giants. Royals obviously get back the next year, but but you're not with them. When you go through free agency for the first time after ten years in the same organization, you've been a Royals since since you were a teenager. What's the? And you kind of touched on it a little earlier, but what's the the sense of loss there when you move on? At that point, do you have to say it's just business, or was there was it tough emotionally? Um, it was really tough. I mean. Um, it, it's one of those things where I, I thought I never thought I wouldn't be a Royal. So I thought whenever, so the A's offered me the contract that they did. And I told Dayton that I would, I would, you know, I would not sign with another team until like, until they, uh, and, and if you guys wanted to match it, I would always, you know, keep, I, I would obviously sign with you guys. So I told them what the A's were offering me and they, they, they weren't, close on it and everything like that. And they, and they I mean, they gave me, I was like, I, well, I had no choice. I mean, so it wasn't one of those, it, it definitely, it, it definitely hurt not to be with the Royals and then not to be on that world series team. I mean, you know, I, I played so much into them getting to that point, you know, it's so, I mean, I definitely felt like I was a part of it, but even though I wasn't and I don't have the ring at the house, I, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely hurts, but you know, it's baseball and things happen. I mean, baseball is not a, it, it's not a game for the week. I'll tell you that right now. It's, it, it's a game for the only the mentally strong and you can't let things affect you ever. You, I mean, I still love the game. I still love the Royals. I still love everything, but I'm, and, I, and I'm, I was so happy for the city that they won that. They waited a long time for that. What's the adjustment like? heading into a clubhouse your age 29 season you've been in kansas city for 10 years now you're you're a part of a new organization you're moving a family you know across country what is what is there a different kind of pressure on you when you come in as a free agent signing as opposed to a guy who's been there for a while um it's not because the a's are are, are a team that's if you tell them about the royals are in flux i mean moving guys around the a's are quick to pull the trigger and trade guys uh and even more so, I mean, they, they have a different team every year. And I know they have, like, look at the success they're having now. They've been a really good team. They were, they were not, we were, we had some couple bad years there. And, and when I was there and the guys in the minor leagues are now up here, they had a good farm system. They trade stuff away. It's, it's just not the same team it was before. And they just, they realized what they put together for those for those two or three years there didn't, didn't work and they move on quickly and they, and they get it right. I mean, it just, it wasn't the right mix of players. So it was, it was a tough situation. Like I said, it was, it was a, it was a tough part of my career, even though the, the contract was good and everything like that. It was just, it was a whole lot of change. 
Well, the the A's after your towards the end of your second year, the A's decide to release you. Twelve years after you you walk off on Steinbrenner, you you know you found you find yourself playing for the Yankees. How strange is it to join a team with a few weeks left in the season? What is that dynamic like? Well, it was yeah, it was it was uh, it was strange. The whole thing is, I played basically every day. I was up there to the last couple, um, and until we until we were out of it. But it it's one of those ones where. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you step in there and a lot of good players. I mean, there's some studs. There's, it was Tixeras last year. You had Sabathia, you have, yeah, Luis Severino, you have all these studs. I'm, I'm not used to playing with guys that are that good. And I mean, I know we're playing major league baseball and we have all these, you know, these guys, but I mean, there's something different with the, you know, the talent that the Yankees have and, and judge was on the DL and that's part of the reason why I was there because they had some injuries. They needed some help at the end and it didn't work out. Um, but I mean, the talent level obviously is different there and it was amazing. It was amazing to get to play for them. I mean, everything is about New York is, is first class. And your 12 game stint, you, you know, you hit pretty well in the, the small sample size. When you left New York, you know, you're 30 years old. Did you think under any circumstances you had played your last game? Uh, no, I didn't think so at the time. I mean, you know, I sit back and think think about it now. You know, um, you know, you know, you know, not don't don't have a ton of position flexibility. You know, right-handed hitter. I'm convinced I'd still be playing if, if I had my skill set. If I was left-handed, because there's so many right-handed guys in the game, and they're so like stat-oriented, right on left, left on right, all that kind of stuff. That you know, there's not enough left-handed hitter. There's so many right-handed pitchers. There's one more more than right. You know. Honestly, I feel like I'd be playing if I was still left. If I was left-handed. When did you decide that that it was time that it, you know not to pursue any others any other sort of offer or anything like that? It wasn't really like it wasn't really like to you know pursue anything like that. Just never got never got offered anything really after that. Um, didn't get offered anything minor league wise. Didn't get offered anything. So I, I don't know what what the reason was for that. I don't know, you know. What happened after being in the league for so long? Didn't get, didn't even get offered anything minor league wise. Didn't playing wise. Didn't even get offered like a uh, big league invite with you know non roster invitee to camp. Um, you know it works out for a reason. I, I, I mean I'm I'm glad I didn't get offered nothing because I'm I'm uh, really enjoying what I'm doing doing now um, with my kids coaching their teams. You know running a sports place and and and. And actually, I'm actually coach. I'm actually the elementary PE teacher co- coach up here right now this year. So I mean, I, I got a full schedule now. So I, I'm I'm actually honestly enjoying it. The the summer of 2017, your first summer without baseball, and what I think you know, probably since you were five, was there was there a moment where maybe it was something you're doing something with your kids, able to make something that you weren't able to make that that you were able to come to a little more peace to your, your career being over. Was there anything that really stands out as like, Hey, this is actually pretty cool. Um, no, I mean, I didn't watch too much baseball that, that summer. I was like, man, I've done this for so long. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. You, you get into a set routine where you don't, um, you don't, you're just, you're like a, you're, you're like doing the same thing every day. You're preparing, you're doing all this stuff the same way. And everything like that. you're like, then you're like, Whoa, my schedule is so much differently. It's not so 
jam-packed. I got, I can do what I want. And, and I do with the kids and everything like that. So it's like, it's really like, you know, you have, you're, you're, it's, I don't want to say that you weren't free before, but you got, you're free to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want with the kids. You can take them wherever you want. And you're not like in a different city every three days playing, playing against the Yankees one week, playing against the Red Sox the next, then you're flying to free down to LA to play the angels the next. I mean, it's just, it's really good to just slow down. So if you go back and talk to your 18 year old self right after you put pen to paper with the Royals, is there anything that any advice you'd give yourself, anything you'd change? Yeah, I would, I would just, you know, reiterate if I really at team time, just, just, you know, because it becomes a business. I, I feel like I was still playing if I didn't let the business in there. I mean, cause I lost the love for the game. I'll tell you this right now. I lost the love of the game in, in, in Oakland because I had such, you know, a tough, couple years there that like just don't let it i would tell myself just don't let anything affect your love for the game it's a game don't let it become more than that if it be, when it comes more than that you'll be at home and that's what happened with me i just you know it became more than it became you know not a game anymore and that's when i and that's when i did and that's when i quit playing the game it's because you know thankfully i had got two contracts Good signing bonus. I mean, I, I have the story that, you know, I had, you know, what, what everybody dreams of wanting to wanting to, to accomplish in their baseball career. And, and that's not the case for everybody else. So I have nothing to regret. And I, I still don't. And I, um, you know, wish I could have just, you just tell yourself just to, you know, keep blocking things out. Cause that's what it is. Keep blocking things out that happen on a day-to-day basis. And, 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 with the business that it is and just, just play the game and go out there and play like a kid. Last thing. And then I'll get you out of here. You, you coach softball. Now you coach your daughter's softball team. How has your playing career helped you as a coach? What kind of, what kind of coach is Billy, but are you intense? You pretty laid back in the dugout. What's the, what's the story? It, it takes a lot to get me mad. So I, I don't, I'm very laid back. I'm very, I, I, I definitely pick my times to assert myself. I'm more of the, you know, you go out there and you play hard and you, and you, and you, and you respect the game. Cause I'm a, I'm big on respect the game. I'm respecting the game. I, I'm all about respect because, you know, it's a great game. It's a great, you know, there's only one America's pastime. That's why you get held to different standards. So that's what I instill in my kids. I instill in the girls I coach. I instill in everyone that when you step on the field with me, you're going, you're playing hard. You're, you're playing a hundred percent you're putting that uniform on and you're going to go out there and play the game the right way. Well, Billy, thanks so much for taking the time talking to from Phenom to the farm. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Absolutely, man. Glad to, you know, do this out and do this with you and glad you connected me with, uh, Evan Gaddis. I still got to get with him, but yeah, that's a, that's a friend I've had for a long time. So appreciate you hooking me up with that too. Oh yeah. Shoot him a text. He'll, he'll like to hear from you. I know he's awesome too. And you know, that's a story there. Mine, mine's pretty standard. He had a run there. Yeah, when I can, uh, when I can book out five hours, I'll call Evan and and get him on the podcast. Five hours not five hours is not enough. <laughs> five hours not, not enough. enough not enough at all. Billy, thanks so much for joining from Feeding Under the Farm. And that's it for our conversation with Billy Butler. Huge thanks to Billy for giving me his time a couple weeks ago, laying out his story. It was really great to have him on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your pods, rate review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Episodes of From Phenom to the Farm drop every other Tuesday. 
In two weeks, we'll be talking to former Padres outfielder and current Cubs first base coach Will Venable. Uh, Make sure to check out BaseballAmerica.com every day for new content. And until then, we'll catch you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.